You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius audio podcast. Before we get to the message, uh, a little extra information. How many of you know what today is? Obviously, it's October the 2nd, right? Uh, Beyond being October the 2nd, beyond being Sunday, what is today? Today is Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, which is maybe you know it as this. Uh, the Feast of Trumpets. So both of those would, would be the same. It's one of the first of the three Jewish fall festivals that are identified in, in the Old Testament. Actually, we would find the references in Leviticus 20, chapter 23, verse 24 and, and 25. But Rosh Hashanah is being celebrated by Jewish communities literally around the world. And the word Rosh Hashanah actually means head of the year. So this is the beginning of the Jewish New Year on the Jewish calendar. And it's uh, starting with the month of Tishri. So we have the feast of uh, the, the blowing of the trumpets, Rosh Hashanah. And then 10 days following would be the Day of Atonement. Uh, in the Old Testament, it was then that the high priest one time a year would go into the Holy of Holies and, and make atonement for God's people, for, for the children of Israel. You know, it was St. Augustine who said the New, Testament, the New Testament is concealed in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. I think one of, the, one of the keys to understanding the New Testament and its fullness is to see it in fulfillment of those things that were, revealed, that were revealed in the Old Testament. So the Old Testament actually points forward. And, and so it's important that we make those, those connections. Just as the three uh, spring Jewish festivals, the Feast of the Passover, just as the three spring festivals spoke of Christ's coming, they really foretold uh, the... Um, the first coming of the Messiah, they were prophetic in nature. You know, the Passover that the Jewish people celebrated, the Feast of the Passover, is a picture of um, the sacrificial lamb. So the first three feasts, the spring feasts, speak of Christ's first coming. I happen to believe, and you don't have to believe what I believe, but I happen to believe that the three fall feasts, beginning with Rosh Hashanah, speak of Christ's second coming. And there's a whole lot there that I don't fully understand. Have you ever been in a place where you you know, but you don't understand? It's like, I have knowledge here that I've not fully connected, but I, I would actually believe that the fall festivals speak of prophetically Christ's return. That's so kind of important for us to keep to make all of those connections. Because that many of you know, we, we do worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Right? And redemption did come. God chose the Jewish people through which to bring redemption for mankind. So it's important for us to make those connections from Old Testament, which, which would really be um, the foundation of our faith, making way for that of, of the New Testament and bringing forth the new covenant. Well, you have your Bibles open, Matthew chapter 6. This morning we're concluding the Fearless series as we talk about One last fear that's, I think, a problem for everyone in the room today to some degree. And it's fear of the future. Fear of what might happen. Now, out of all the fears that we've talked about in this series, I would have to say that this fear, uh, fear of the future, is of greatest challenge for me. Because if you've not figured this out yet, I I like control. I like to be in control. And because I like to be in control, and there's a lot of things in our world that's out of control, how many of you know they can generate anxiety? Any control freaks in here besides myself? 
Come on, it's okay. We're going to have like a self-help group for you right after the service. But I like to be in control. And I like to control things. It's, it's part of the way I'm wired. And there may even be a little dysfunction in my, there, if I want to admit it. Um, but because of that, I have this tendency to get anxious and even move from anxiety to a point of fear about what might happen, about what the future might hold. There's a difference between being concerned and being ruled by fear. Because I think we're all concerned, rightly so, about the future, about what that might look like, about what that might bring. But the challenge becomes when we move from concern to a point where fear is enslaving us, where this fear of the future is, is actually robbing us of peace, or this fear of the future would be that which maybe would keep us up at night. You know, here are some of the common ways that this fear of the future plays out, um, again, creating anxiety and worry in our lives. Some of that, I think, maybe the most common ways, there's, there's fear of, of the future of our government process. What, what's that going to look like? This past Monday evening, I watched a portion of the debates, as many of you did, and as I, I, as I was watching this, this debate play out, I literally felt fear creeping into me, realizing that one of these individuals is going to lead our nation. And one of these individuals, it, it, if it wasn't so true, it'd be humorous, wouldn't it? And, and this is not a political party statement about, about either one of the candidates. I'm not making that statement at all. I'm just listening to them debate. And literally, I was in Virginia at some board meetings this week. So I'm in Virginia in an uh, apartment in a hotel room, and I'm watching the debate. And, and literally, I, I felt like this fear was creeping in as I began to, man, what's the future going to look like for our nation? What, what might happen if one of these individuals, and one of, one of the individuals, I mean, they're going to be elected, and they're going to be the leader, and what, what might that look like? Then there's the, the fear of what I would call um, moral, uh, utter, utter moral collapse. Just looking at where our nation's been, where we're going, if you look back several years, the changes in the laws, and, and how all of that's playing out, uh, it, it stirs concern and even points of fear as to, wow, what's our nation going to look like five years from now? What's this going to mean for my children, grandchildren, for your children, your grandchildren? If we're not careful, fear of, of the future can, can creep its way into our lives. Then there's, there's fear of economic collapse and the chaos that that might bring. We begin to think about our retirement. What might that look like if the retirement's totally gone? Or we begin to think about the, the fear of economic collapse and what could happen. And, and then the big question is, how will you provide for your family? What's that going to look like? And if you begin to dwell on that, man, there's this fear. This fear of the future that, that, that begins to, to stir within you. And then as I was continuing to think about these common types of fear in relation to the future, I thought, well, there's obviously there's this fear of Islamic extremists and terrorist attacks. We, we think back to what happens on um, September the 11th, 2001, and, and we worry about what the future holds and the safety of our family and the safety of our nation and what might happen with crazy people around the world and how they're acting and reacting. 
And then there's fear of resistant viruses, plagues, hazardous chemicals, and so on. If you, if you just think about what's happened recently with the Zika virus and what the media has done with that, again, about what might happen. We don't know if it will happen, but it might happen. And look what it might bring about for you, for your family. And so there's, there's all of these things happening in our world today. And if we're not careful, it can move us from concern to fear for the future, a fear that paralyzes us, a fear that... Again, it robs, us, it robs us of peace. It can lead us to irrational decisions. Let me, let me share a personal story with you to see if I can illustrate this of how it played out in my own life. And maybe you've heard this story before, but in, 19, in 1993, my wife and I were pastoring in a little church called Knox City, Texas, uh, the Knox City Foursquare Church. And it was the fall of the year, about this time of year, and we went to a pastor's conference in Dallas. Uh, all of the pastors, the Foursquare pastors in the south central region were gathering. and So we went to the pastor's conference. One night after the evening session, we were on our way back to the hotel. We arrived at the hotel. We were walking down the sidewalk, and a gentleman was running toward us. And because I'm a big prankster, I just thought, Someone was playing a a prank. I didn't think anything about it until the gentleman got right in front of us, pulled out a gun, stuck it in our face, and demanded our money. Now, not only am I a control freak, but I like to keep what's mine. (laughs) So I told him no. Um, And it was at that point, uh, he said, if you don't give me your money, I'm going to kill you. And so at that point, I pulled out my wallet And again, wanting to be in control, I wanted to give him some money, not all of my money. And there was a little scuffle that broke out. Long story short, wallet fell on the ground. Some money came out of the wallet. And my wife, being brilliant as she is, screamed out, there's a security guard. He grabbed some money and he took off around the building. I chased him around the building, went over the fence into an apartment complex and we never saw him again. Obviously, the police came. We did reports. Uh, and praise God for God's provision uh, and his protection of us and my stupidity trying to hold on to a wallet and what little money was in there. It's not like we had lots of money trying to hold on to that. In my stupidity, God protected us from what could have been. I mean, we could have died, obviously, that evening, this gentleman who was wanting our money. But as a result of that event, As a result of that event, there was something that was seated within me. I felt violated. I felt vulnerable. I felt like I had not been able to protect my family at a point of crisis. And as a result of that event, there was a fear, a fear of the future that got seated within me. It was something that was unhealthy, that became controlling that robbed me of peace. As we returned back to Knox City, Texas, where we were pastoring, I went and bought a Clint Eastwood 44 Magnum, like the eight-inch barrel, (laughs) a big gun. And for six months, for six months, I carried that gun with me uh, everywhere I went, except when I was preaching on Sundays. I I wouldn't (laughs) wear it. But for six months, I... I kept that gun with me thinking, I don't know what the future is going to hold, but that'll never happen to me again. It'll never happen to my family again. What, what was it? It was a fear. It was an unhealthy fear of what might happen, of what the future would hold. After about six months, I, I came to realize um, that the gun really didn't solve the problem. 
that there was a deeper problem and the problem was what got seated within me, that fear that settled in me. And so I, I did some spiritual business. I addressed the issue and I actually ended up selling the gun. Um, but what I came to discover is it was that fear of the future that robbed me of peace. Even when I had the gun, I still didn't have peace. It robbed me of peace. It, it put me in a place where I was constantly on edge and then what was the point of worry? It was, a, it was a point of anxiety as to what the future might bring, causing me to act in an irrational way. I think that's the challenge. The challenge of fear of the future is, is again, it robs us of the ability to truly trust in God. Pastor John Hortberg says it so well. I put the quote there in your notes because I think it's a, it's a great statement. Listen to what Pastor John wrote. He says, I strongly believe that the way... I strongly believe that the way we live is a consequence of the size of our God. The problem that many of us have is that our God is too small. We are not convinced that we are absolutely safe in the hands of a fully competent, all-knowing, ever-present God. Is that not a great statement? When we're controlled by the fear of the future, we lose sight of the greatness of God. We allow fear to eclipse God. It's like there's this shadow that settles in over us. This is what I know about fear of the future. Fear of the future will rob you of the blessing of the present. It'll keep you so anxious about what might happen that you can't enjoy the today that you're living in. Fear of the future will generate anxiety and worry in your life. We get anxious and we worry about, again, what might happen, what could happen. We don't know if it will happen. But how many of you know when fear settles in, your mind always goes to worst case scenario? Isn't that true? Fear never brings you to what might be the best. Fear always takes you to what what, what is the worst. So this fear of the future generates anxiety and worry. Fear of the future causes us to react rather than respond, to react. How many of you reacted to the Y2K uh, uh, crisis back in 2000? How many of you still, go ahead, it's okay to admit it. How many of you still have stuff stored away that you bought 16 years ago? And if you remember that whole thing, and I know it takes us back 16 years, but if you remember that whole event, the media just stirred and stirred and stirred, and there was this fear. And as a result of fear, what we reacted rather than then responded. I think fear of the future will always will also generate within you a hold the fort mentality rather than rather than Actively moving forward in the faith, we have a tendency to move into protective mode. Like, I'm protection, I'm protecting, I'm going. So we're not actively moving forward in faith. Again, it's what I call a hold the fort mentality. And those are the things that happen when we allow fear of the future to rule us, to control us. And Jesus knew that we were going to have problems with this fear. He knew that in our humanity... And the reality of what we would experience in life, that we were going to be challenged with this fear of the future. Therefore, he wrote some pretty direct words for us. And recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. Let's read this, beginning with verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, Or about your body, what you will wear. Is not 
Life more important than food and your body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by wearing can add a single hour to his life? And why do you wear about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Or maybe Jesus is saying something like this. Don't worry about what the, the future might bring. Verse 32, for the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, notice verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow. Can we say that together? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. To confront the fear of the future, there's some things you need to know and there's some things you need to remember. Some things you need to know, some things you need to remember. Jesus gives us four or five statements here of what we need to know. Now, to know here is more than just having a knowledge of. It's more than just having information in my head. To know is to be confident of, to be certain of, to be fully persuaded about. Jesus says, if you're going to confront the fear of the future, there's some things that you need to know. Again, truth that you anchor yourself to. So, so, so what, do we, what do we need to know this morning? Let's look back to Jesus' words. The first thing that Jesus tells us here that we need to know is we need to know that trouble is a reality. And trouble is a reality. If you look back to verse 34, Jesus says each day has enough trouble of its own. Then in John 16, 33, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. Folks, this is what I know about the, the world we live in. It's full of trouble. Just as Jesus said, well, we're going to have trouble. If you look back in history, you know what you'll discover? There's always been trouble. Been natural disasters. There's been economic collapses. Um, There's been all kinds of things, wars and rumors of wars. I mean, that's that's history. And what happened yesterday is still happening today. What In this world, we're going to have trouble. So Jesus said, you don't have to fear it. Just expect it. Just know that it's coming. It, It is a part of this world we live in. It's a part of the life we're processing. So, so Jesus says, first, know that trouble is a reality. The second thing he says that, that we must know is this. We must know that worry and fear will rob us of faith. Worry and fear, what? Robs us, limits us, restricts us when it comes to faith. Look back to verse 25. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life What you will eat or drink or your body, what you will wear, is not life more important than food and your body more important than clothes. Jesus says, don't worry. Why? Because worry robs us of fear. You know, a great illustration of this, Mark chapter 4, there's a story where Jesus is with his disciples in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And long day, Jesus is taking a nap. So he's like in the front of the boat. He is like, 
having some good rest, and all of a sudden a storm out of nowhere catches the disciples off guard. Now remember, some of the disciples were fishermen, so they were not like new to the Sea of Galilee, nor were they new to boats or storms. Uh, Yet, the storm must have been pretty intense, pretty violent, because they were shaken by what might happen, what fear of the future. So they went and they woke Jesus up and they said, Jesus, don't you care that we might perish because we don't know what is going to happen? And interesting, Jesus got up, looked around, and the scripture says he spoke to the waves. Peace, be still. And all of a sudden, the the storm, the storm ceased. But, but, But I want you to listen to what Jesus then said to the disciples. Why are you so afraid? What happened to your faith? Now, again, here's guys who've been with Jesus. They've heard, they've heard his teachings. They've seen the miracles. They've been a part of it. Like they had front row seat to all that Jesus was doing. And they find themselves in a storm. Fear of the future creeps in. And what happens? Faith leaves. And Jesus says, hey, we need to know that. We, know that when we, we need to know that when we give place to the fear of the future, what? Faith is going to exit in our lives. Here's the third thing Jesus said we need to know. Look back to verse 26. He says we need to know that we are valuable to God. Valuable God. Let's read verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Folks, listen, you have to know. You have to settle this in your mind and in your heart that you are valuable to God. He loves you outrageously. You are a treasured possession to Him. So when storms come, when trouble comes, whatever the future might hold, you have to know that God loves you and He's looking out for you. Why? Because you're a treasured possession. I mean, think about this. If you're a parent or a grandparent, and your child or grandchild was at a point of danger, what would you do for them? You would risk whatever necessary, would you not? If your child or grandchild was in a point of danger, you would do whatever necessary. Why? Because you love them outrageously. Why? Because you're fully committed to them. Why? Because they're valuable to you. And because they're valuable to you, then what? You would put yourself in harm's way just to protect them. Even more. Even more, God loves you outrageously. You got to know, Jesus said, you got to know that you're valuable. You're valuable to God. The, the, the fourth thing that Jesus says we need to know is we need to know that God is both faithful and trustworthy. Look back to verse 28. Jesus said, Why do you worry about your clothes? The lilies of the field. See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that, that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Listen, just as God cares for and clothes the lilies of the field, and just as he watches over the sparrow, so he cares for you. Listen, God is trustworthy. He is faithful. He's true to his word. He's true to his promises. You know, I love the scripture in, in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23, that says, because of God's great love, we're not consumed. It goes on to talk about how his compassions are new to us every morning. And it ends like this, great is your faithfulness, oh God. And Jesus said, you can't, You can face whatever the future brings 
if you know, if you're fully confident that God is both faithful and trustworthy. Jesus also goes on to tell us that, that we need to know that God knows where we're at and what we're facing. If you look on to verse 32, Jesus said, for the pagans run after all these things. Notice, and your heavenly Father knows. He knows that you need them. Listen, if God knows the number of hairs in your, on your head, and he does, he, listen, that, that statement tells me that he knows about the intimate details of your life. He knows where you're at, what you're facing, what you're going through. And when fear of the future settles into our lives, it causes us to ask questions like this. Does God know where I'm at? Has God abandoned me? Does God care? Listen, some of you this past week have asked those very questions. Fear of the future, fear of the unknown. Wondering, God, what are you up to? Jesus says that we need to know. We need to know that God knows where we're at, what we're facing, what we're experiencing in our lives. And that he's working for our good. Again, God is what he's trustworthy. And what Jesus is telling us here, there's truths we have to anchor ourselves to. There's things that we have to know. Because again, this is the reality, folks. Storms happen. Life gets hard. Listen, again, Jesus said it really, really clear. Trouble's on the horizon. And if you don't anchor yourselves to these truths, and this is what happens. I want you to get this picture. Think of a, think of a boat in the ocean, major storm like hurricane force storm. If that boat is not anchored, what happens to the boat? It's tossed to and fro. When the storms blow, the pilot has really no control over what the boat's doing, where it's going, what's happening with the boat. Listen, the boat has to be anchored, right? It's the same in our lives and for our lives. There's truths that we have to know. There's truths that we have to anchor ourselves to. If not, then this is what I can tell you. Fear of the future, fear of the future will rob you of peace. It'll keep you from living active faith. And it'll generate all kinds of anxiety in your life. So there's things we need to know, but there's also things we need to remember. I want to leave you with these three statements because as, as I was thinking about fear of the future, and how do we confront that? How do we confront the creep of because my experience has been fear doesn't fear of the future doesn't just like overwhelm us. Fear of the future kind of like creeps into our lives, sneaks into our lives. So, so what do we need to remember? Three things we need to remember. First is this: you need to remember your creator. When fear of the future is creeping in, slipping in, you need to remember the creator. It's a great story. It's found in the book of Nehemiah. If if you're familiar with Nehemiah's story, Nehemiah was tasked to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And as he returns to Jerusalem, rebuild the walls, progress is being made. The walls are about like built, uh, rebuilt to about half their height. And the scripture in Nehemiah chapter four talks about the enemy, the adversary was going to attack. Matter of fact, they sent a message to Nehemiah and to the workers said, we're going to come and we're going to attack you. You you don't know when we're going to come, but when we come, we're going to kill all of you. We're going to totally destroy all of you. 
And it was that threat that put a fear of the future in the workers. And so like they were like paralyzed. Nehemiah couldn't motivate them to the wall. They were challenged in their work and there was this anxiety, there was this worry. What it was fear of the future. The scripture tells us, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14, Nehemiah challenged the people and he confronted the situation. Get this, this is what Nehemiah said to the children of Israel. He says, remember, remember the Lord your God who is great and awesome. In the midst of the fear, fear of the future, Nehemiah said, remember. Remember the Lord your God. Remember that of his work. Remember that of, of his might. Remember that of his provision. So, so when fear of the future starts creeping in, the first thing you want to do is you want to, you want to remember your creator. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, listen to these words that the apostle Paul wrote. He says, for by him being God, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Amen. Isn't that good news? In other words, when everything else is out of control, guess who's in control? God. So the first thing you want to remember is you want to remember your creator. The second thing you want to remember when the fear of the future comes creeping into your life is you want to remember the past. Remember the past faithfulness of God. Recall the times and the places in your life where God has showed up and he showed himself mighty. And when you begin to recall God's past faithfulness, it's going to feed your faith in the present to help you face the future, whatever it brings with confidence, as you simply recall the past faithfulness of God. Remember to re, begin to remember when God showed up. And as, again, as you recall those times, this is when he was faithful in your marriage, when he was faithful in your job, when he brought provision in a time of a financial crisis. When he brought a point of healing, listen, as you begin to recall, as you begin to remember God's faithfulness in the past, it will feed your faith in the present. In Psalm 77, the psalmist who wrote Psalm 77, if you look at the broader context, was in a, a challenging place that was generating some anxiety, some fear as to the future. In the midst of Uh, This fear of the future. Listen to what the psalmist wrote. Psalm 77 verse 10. He says, Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out His right hand. Notice, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Did you catch what he said? I will remember. I will remember, I will recall. So when fear of the future comes creeping in, you want to remember the creator, you want to remember the past. Here's the third thing you want to remember. You want to remember God's promises. Listen, God's word is full of promises about his protection, about his provision, about that of the mind of his work. So when fear of the future comes creeping in, what do you need to do? You need to remember the promises of God 
of God's word. You need to remember what God has said about your life, about his commitment to you, about his provision for you. And you need to begin to recall what God's promises, to remember, to remember his promises. In Psalms 46 verse 1, says that God is a rock and a refuge, an ever-present help in times of trouble. Rock refuge, ever-present help. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, says, the scripture says that God will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. The, for the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. So God will keep in perfect peace the one who? Who puts his focus, who sets his sights on God. Psalm 121 verse 1 says, I, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So I encourage you, when the fear of the future begins to creep its way into your life, remember the promises of God. Because it is a reality, even as Jesus said, in our world there is trouble. There has been trouble in the past, There's trouble today, and this is what I can tell you. There'll be trouble in the future. It is a reality of the world we live in. But listen, we don't have to live in fear of what might happen, what could happen. When fear comes, again, we want to remember our Creator. We want to remember the past. And we want to remember the truth of God's promises Again, folks, this is everyday reality. This is everyday stuff. Matter of fact, as, as I had this sermon happening in the back of my mind, I was reading the news this week. Actually, I, I, this particular event, I was listening to the radio as I was driving down the road. So I'm thinking about what I'm going to be talking about uh, today. And I'm listening to the news uh, man talking about what could happen this coming week. And I, listen, I'm not making this stuff up. This really happened. I'm driving down the road, and, and the first thing he talks about is, is a hurricane that could be coming in this week. And we don't know if it will come, but it might come. And here's one of 52 different paths it could take as it's coming toward the Carolinas. <laughs> Amazing how media today just kind of feeds the frenzy of this and makes us anxious. And listen, this is in the same setting. After they finished talking about all of the things that could happen with the hurricane on the East Coast, then they began to talk about the West Coast. And they said, probably in the next five days, there's going to be a horrible earthquake that's going to happen that's going to totally wreck the folks in California. Now they're in a state of panic. We don't know if it's going to happen, but it might happen. So let's talk about it and pretend like it's going to happen. And all of this, what does it do? It feeds this unhealthy fear of the future. And what does that do? It eclipses the greatness of God. I want to leave you with this this morning. When you're facing the fear of the future, always remember this. That God is in you, with you, and for you. Turn to your neighbor this morning and encourage them. Tell them God is in you, with you, and for you. And as long as we anchor ourselves to that truth, the storms may blow, but they won't wreck the boat. The storms will come, because again, Jesus said they would. But the possibility of what might happen in the future doesn't have to cause us to live in fear today. Losing sight of the greatness of God. Always come back to this truth that God is in you, He's with you.
And he's for you. And he said this about your life, that you're more than a conqueror through him. It's the promise of his word. Anchor yourself, anchor yourself to that truth. And fear the future, though it may be a point of concern. I think there's things, folks, that we should be concerned about. I'm concerned about this upcoming election, and I've been praying about it a lot. I hope you have as well. I'm concerned, but I'm not living in fear of. Why? This is what I know. Though the world may be out of control, God's always in control. Amen. Lord, I thank you today for that promise. Lord, for the days that we live in are crazy. Lord, we look at all that's happening, and and Lord, if we're not careful, wow, our minds can begin to to play tricks with us, and Lord, there's a fear of what could happen, what might happen. Lord, we want to be those who obviously are concerned and who are motivated to prayer and and to steps of faith and to action, but Lord, we refuse to be those who live in fear of the future, allowing that fear to rob us of of the very peace that is ours in Christ. God, my prayer for myself, because Lord, you know this is an area that I wrestle with, but I pray for myself as well as for every individual in the room today. Lord, when there's the rumblings of what might happen, what could happen, Lord, may we not allow our minds to go to worst-case scenario, but Lord, may we set our focus on you. And may we be reminded, God, that you are in us, with us, for us. And when everything else may be out of control, God, you're in control. We set our focus on you. Now, Lord, I pray that Lord, that we would not give the enemy foothold. Because I really believe that fear is one of the key ways the enemy wrecks us, gets, our, gets us off focus, off target, heading in the wrong direction, making wrong decisions. Lord, it's, it's fear. So, Lord, may we be warriors, not worriers. May we be those who stand confident knowing who we are in Christ and confidently walking that out in every day, in every storm of life. Holy Spirit, help us to that end, I pray. In Jesus' name. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.